And we hope your Tuesday is off to a great start, and we appreciate you stopping by and picking up the information we have to offer to get you started uh, off on the right foot. It is Tuesday. It's time for Mobility Makers, brought to you by Bridgestone. No matter what the next generation of mobility will be, it will be on wheels, and Bridgestone will be there. Bridgestone, solutions for your journey. We know that since the EV transition began, there's been a great deal of Interest and concern focused on the issue of range anxiety. People don't want to be stuck on the side of the road without enough juice. And while we have seen the 300-mile range barrier cracked in 400-mile range in some cases, Toyota now says that it has a battery that could go 900 miles on a charge. How much of a game changer is this? Let's check in with Keith Naughton, auto business reporter for Bloomberg, and our good friend Keith, good morning. Hi, Guy. Good morning. So Toyota's kind of been developing this in secret. We've heard about solid-state batteries before. How much of a game-changer is this, and does it make the lithium-ion battery obsolete for automobiles if it comes to fruition? Yeah, solid-state batteries have been the holy grail of the auto industry because they are viewed as a game-changer. Beyond that incredible range you were just describing, Guy, they would charge in 10 minutes. So it would be like going to a gas station. You wouldn't have these long charging times, these long delays as you as you charge along the highway. Just about every auto. You obviously get your shopping done to the gas station much quicker than I do. Um, (laughs) I spend a lot more time in the snack aisle than that. Well, you could still do that, but your car would be fully charged when you come out, guy. But um, but yeah, everyone is is after this. But now Toyota is the one who's kind of saying they've made this great leap forward and they'll be able to mass produce them by 2027. Uh, that is that is a bold statement. And if they really can do that, it, uh, it really could change the game. Keith, uh, this is Lloyd Jackson. You know, I, uh, you said 10 minutes. That's something I've been hearing from a lot of folks who are thinking about the EVs. They say, if I'm on a trip and I'm going to wherever I'm going to and I need to charge up, I don't want to add to my drive time by having to charge for a half a day or two hours or whatever. So 10 minutes is great. But let me ask you this, though. With these solid-state batteries, one of the issues is that the, the they have a short lifespan, so they kind of they tend to fail after they've been charged repeatedly. Right. I mean, that stability with the solid-state battery has been one of the issues. Um, you know, the solid aspect of it uh, tends to crack. Uh, it's not always great in the cold, and it's very hard to manufacture at scale. And so Toyota says they have resolved these issues and they can come out with a solid state battery that is half the size, half the weight, and half the cost of a lithium ion battery. So Okay, so half if, the cost. Yeah. Now you've got my interest because <laughs> so if you can produce it at half the cost, swapping out those batteries becomes less of a factor if they don't hold up as well from a reliability standpoint. You know, batteries are the biggest cost in an electric vehicle. A, a battery makes up about a third of the weight of an electric vehicle. That's the reason EVs are so expensive. If you can reduce the size, the weight, and the cost of the battery, that gets the EV price more equivalent to what an internal combustion vehicle price wow. is, and suddenly they can go mainstream. I know they uh, Toyota wanted to bring this out or at least have some type of prototype uh, during the 2020 Olympics, but you know that got all messed up because of coronavirus. 
Um, so when do they think that they will have something that will be in a car that they could really show us to see, you know, to test it out so we could see how it, how it works? Yeah, they've talked about having something in 2025, but that might be in a hybrid, which, as you okay. know, with the Prius, Toyota is very, you know, successful with hybrids yes. and mass production uh, in EVs by 2027, which puts them ahead of everybody else. Ford has said they don't see mass production of solid state batteries this decade. So what happens to Toyota then? Are they going to license this proprietary battery chemistry and and uh, battery style, or or are we looking at all these battery plants being built in Michigan with Chinese chemistry and Chinese protocols being obsolete? Yeah, so there are two other you know battery chemistries out there, guy the lithium ion we've been talking about and the the, the Chinese chemistry you're talking about. That's the Ford plant going into Marshall, Michigan. That's which is phosphate. That's, yeah, lithium ion phosphate LFP batteries. They're known as. Uh, and those uh, have advantages of lower cost. Um, and so that's something Ford is going to be putting in their Mustang Mach-E and their Lightning uh, later this year. So everybody is trying different chemistries to try and get the price down to get these to be more mainstream vehicles instead of such high-priced vehicles. You know, no one thought that, that solid-state batteries would come on so fast. So it is a question as to whether or not the industry will go entirely in that direction. But even Toyota says they're going to, continue doing lithium-ion batteries because they feel like there's more efficiency they can squeeze out of those as well. Keith, while I've got you here, how nervous is uh, the automotive market about this, what appears to be a slowdown in EV sales and a buildup in inventories? Um, is this just because m- most of them are in the higher-priced range and the more luxury vehicles, the GMC Hummer, things like that? Uh, will that be mitigated by the introduction of the new Equinox at $30,000? Or is are we seeing the, the demand beginning to actually slow? Yeah, that's what everybody's talking about these days, Guy, this this slow uh, growth. In, well, I mean, it's a relative term, but growth slowed to 50% in the first half of this year, but it was 72% in the first half of last year. And we do have these very high inventories all of a sudden of EVs. I think what's happening is we're getting past those early adopters, you know, who are the wealthy folks who are willing to pay anything just to have the latest technology. And we're now hitting the mass market. And the big question is, will mass market folks buy an EV, folks who are on a budget? And EVs are still expensive. They're still, you know, over $60,000 on average. And that's, you know, luxury car territory. Yeah. You know, you know, Keith, I, I'm wondering what what will be the residual cost on EVs since technology changes so much, you know, you know, compared to uh, residual on on gas powered cars and stuff. You know, how how much will they be worth when you well, turn that them whole, in? That whole question, Lloyd, is another one of the roadblocks. What what's my resale value on my EV? Because if I hold the car, the average life of a car right now, people are holding them for 10, 12 years. Mm-hmm. So if. I'm 10 or 12 years down the road with the battery technology, you know, maybe we've moved to solid state by then. Do I have an obsolete car? Do I have any resale value? I think that's a big question. And that's one of the things that holds people back from going EV. Well, as a buyer, well, what, what question should I be asking, especially if it's a private sale? How many times have you recharged this vehicle becomes <laughs> the, the most important question, doesn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, you know how in the past we used to take a used car to our mechanic and have them look at it. Well, now we need them to take them to a battery specialist and have them see how much the battery is depleted and how much life is left in it. Yeah, uh, a lot of interesting questions that we'll be struggling with. But in the meantime, some game-changing news from Toyota. We'll look ahead to 2027 and the early prototypes and see if they can do them as cheaply. Uh, and without as much environmental disruption as well, because we know that uh, mining lithium and cobalt and other uh, strategic metals uh, and minerals can be really, really messy, uh, Keith, and uh, they've got their own environmental drawbacks. So thanks for the information, my friend. Good to have you. Sure. Thanks, Guy. Uh, One other thing, guys, to watch. Uh, A story came out in the New York Post yesterday that the Biden administration is looking at water heaters and making and forcing companies, in some cases, to make them more efficient. Yes, to reduce greenhouse gases, but they also say this is to give a greater savings, greater efficiency to consumers, which on the face of it is a good thing. But they're talking about these water pump water heaters, which the water heater basically looks works like a refrigerator. Instead of using electricity or gas to heat the water, mm-hmm. you use ambient air that is warm to heat the water, and you pump it through like a heat exchanger. So I looked into this and, and, you know, it sounds great. And, you know, the conservatives are leaping on the bandwagon saying, oh, they're going to do for uh, water heaters what they did for gas stoves. They're going to try to take them away from you, or they're going to make them as efficient as your dishwasher and toilet are now, which we know, yeah, it made things more efficient, but there were some real drawbacks (laughs) there. Looking at these things, these water pump heaters cost upfront three times more than a conventional water heater and yes they are very efficient but you may be using them for up to 10 years before you get your cost back on that incremental change in incremental upfront cost so one of those things that again the Biden administration pushing its green agenda sounds like they're going to save consumers money but what they kind of overlook is the whole return on investment factor which if you're in a if you're a single person in a home it may and you don't use a lot of hot water it might take you a long time to make the upfront cost back something to consider i want to know how much i want to know how much uh if if the water is going to be hot enough for me that's the other question lloyd (laughs) because they say and i'm i thank you for bringing that up because they also said these things don't work as well in colder regions see Mm. so it's like uh, yeah yeah but Beware of government with good intentions and start to read the free print and do a little research on this. Uh, But making this a mandate right now, they're only talking about making it and encouraging it and incentivizing it in 2029. So this is fairly, you know, down the road, six years away. But um, again, I've got a dishwasher that I hate with a passion. We've got toilets that we've modified because they (laughs) they didn't work very well. Don't do it to us again with our water (laughs) heaters. Uh, When we come back, uh, interest rates on the rise again, even as there are signs of deflation in some parts of our economy. What's behind it and why the IRS will no longer be knocking on doors. Susan Tompor, just ahead on JR Morning.